You're listening to Lost and Sound. writer, a podcaster and a DJ in Berlin. And I've always believed that one of the best ways we come together is through music. And through this series, we meet the innovators, the outsiders, the mavericks, the people who, when they make music, they do it utterly in their own way. Past guests have included Peaches, Chili Gonzalez, Ghost Poet, Letitia Sadie, and Thurston Moore. And each week, I have a conversation with someone who I think approaches music in a fresh and exciting way. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're having a really lovely day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. You join me today from just outside Bergheim, actually. I thought I'd have a little cycle up to the iconic little pathway right by a car park very near an Aldi where in front the uh, building of Bergheim is in front and and I don't know what drew me to to coming here right now but I think it was there's been this sort of sense that like you know for the whole pandemic it's had this big sign across the top of it Morgan is defragger tomorrow is the question and that's now gone and, and and it's open again and I kind of feel that before I moved to Berlin that I would be visiting this place a hell of a lot more or just generally doing a lot more clubbing than than I anticipated like when I first ever visited Berlin within a few days I I sort of found myself inside Bergheim and I knew nothing about Bergheim at all I just you know I only really knew like sort of Bowie and Low and and that kind of side of music culture in in Berlin so it was a complete surprise to me and t- I totally fell in love with it but then when I moved here you know I don't know what happened uh, maybe it was sort of reaching my mid-40s or something like that and the idea that you know the best DJ maybe I wanted to see was on at six in the morning or something. And I'm like, at six in the morning, uh, I want to have a bowl of granola at six in the morning. And, but, but having it taken away for that, that period of time has certainly made me feel like it, it, it's a fucking resource that's there. It's a resource for, for whatever you want it to be like, but it's there. It's a, it's an institution and a resource and standing in front of it right now, I'm, I'm getting this sense of, of just this excitement of thinking very, 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 very soon, very, very soon. Um, that's if I can get in anyway, <laughs> I hope you're doing good. Um, yes, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's sort of autumnal here right now. Um, yesterday I was cycling along Karl Marx alley and cycle past a completely nude man just walking along the road with a kind of a, I guess the one bit of clothing that he seemed to have, if you can call it a bit of clothing, was a, a 70s leather briefcase under his arm. Like it was, it looked like he was going to a business meeting, you know, just very, very composed, just strolling along the road, completely nude. And, and that was just pretty awesome, really. Definitely autumn looks on the show today I had a really nice chat with Jay Wilgoose Esquire from Public Service Broadcasting this chat happened about a month ago now so the, I think the chat was on the 26th of August it is now the 21st of September the reason we connected or the reason it became so appealing right now, I mean, I've always loved 
their albums. I love the way that, I mean, albums is one thing, but they've always been so much about like, the, the whole experience, the whole sort of identity around this whatever current phase public service broadcasting are doing. Over the past, they've kind of delved into British archive footage and they kind of created this world of, of this long-forgotten Britain around archive footage. They've explored the space race with the album The Race for Space. Apparently so, Jodie Whittaker, when she was kind of getting in the vibe and the mood to do Doctor Who, this is the album that she would listen to as she was sort of channeling cosmic vibes. They explored the closure and decline of the Welsh coal industry as well on my last album. But the reason, the reason we, we really connected and had this chat is because on the fourth album, Bright Magic, Jay Wilgoose Esquire came to Berlin and made an album kind of asking himself about why he wanted to make an album coming to Berlin, if that if that kind of makes sense. And I think one of the really, 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 really beautiful things about this album is that rather than do anything really obvious, like rather than have like loads of sort of really obvious, hey, I'm in Berlin, that's track number three. Track number four is, hey, I'm in Berlin, I'm having a curry verst. That's an amazing track. Obviously, they're not going to do that anyway. But one of the really amazing things is the way that the Berlinness is sort of seeps in in the atmosphere um this morning i was listening back to the interview in a cafe and then i put on the album again and and having this kind of berlin influenced from an outsider like myself you know jay moved here i live here we're both from other places and and it's very much an album that that has that kind of outlook of and spirit somehow pouring through the headphones when you listen to it i'm waffling on and i'm gonna just let you hear the interview this is what happened we had a really lovely chat how are you doing uh, i'm all right thanks um a little bit sleep deprived but that is uh a byproduct of having a small child to look after so. right yeah yeah H- how old is your child she is 19 months, um, pretty much 19 months. So, yeah, uh, she des- she decided to wake up at 10 to 5 today. So that was fun. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I, d- I don't know, like, I mean, I, I remember someone telling me a couple of years ago that those stickers on the backs of cars that say, uh, be ca- you know, child on board, are j- are more to warn people that the parents of the cars driving them are, are probably sleep deprived and you should be <laughs> a bit careful about driving close to them. That that makes a lot of sense, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, um, so thanks so much for speaking to me today. Um, it's really interesting talking to you about this album. I've loved all of your albums, but this one particularly because over four albums you focused on archive samples from the British film industry, sorry, Film Institute, The Space Race, The Fall of British Coal Industry. Uh, why now Berlin? Well, that that in a way, sorry to kind of you know not really answer the question, but in a way, please that, just oh, yeah. I, I love that I love it. Just it's all about talk. So the the yeah the the question why Berlin actually became the record itself uh, in in a way it became mm. you know me asking myself what what is it that's compelling me to move there why you know why have I got this idea in my head that you know even before Every Valley was recorded um which was our album about you know the South Wales coal mining and and coal mining community um even before that was recorded I knew I wanted to move to Berlin and and write and record an album and why you know um where's that where's Mm -hmm. that come from what's the motivation for that um and and I think that plus uh you know some of the research I was doing some of the reading I was doing some of the the sort of the happy accidents along the way like discovering um this collection of short stories by Alfred Durblin called Bright Magic and Other Stories that title just just jumped into my head and it would it wouldn't get out um so I, I thought maybe you know it's going to be a Berlin record about the things you'd expect a PSB Berlin mm. record to be about um which perhaps would have been more obvious and and um, less interesting so in a way it just me trying to answer the question like why why do you think this is a good idea um you know that became the record itself yeah i mean it's, it's an interesting thing because i mean i i had a similar thing of um 
seeing Ber wanting to move to Berlin and not being really sure why, apart from the fact that I loved it whenever I'd visited here before. Yeah. Um, what what was the sort of root of your discovery of of the city? Well, I think I'd started building it up in my head before I even went there. I think we we played our first gig there in 2013, I think. Uh, and that was that was my first visit to the city full full stop. We we you know, we've been back about 8 or 9 times since and loved it every time. But um, you know, the 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 kind of the the scene was set in my head before that and it was set by um, you know, a lot of the music that I'd been listening to, a lot of the people I was sort of fascinated by, and and Low um, by Bowie was was a massive record for me. I, I discovered it relatively late. I think I was sort of I was twenty three. It feels feels like that's too old to to only just <laughs> be aware of that record. But um, <laughs> it was a real just it was real eye opener and just changed the way changed the way I saw Bowie certainly, but also just changed the way I saw popular music i think and, it, and i think that record did change popular music full stop but it but it wasn't just bowie it was it was the depeche mode trilogy of records they did at hansa it was it was people like the bad seeds it was einstutz and neubart and it was tangerine dream it was it was u2 when they went out there to do acting baby um you know i think all of that just created this really romantic image in my head of this place where where people go to you know to sort of challenge themselves and to and to write interesting different records and i thought you know maybe maybe i could do something similar to that maybe i could um you know write a sort of chapter in that in that history or footnote almost it wouldn't be a chapter <laughs> selling yourself short there but um there, there is a sort i mean i've, I've always picked up in your music right from the beginning anyway there's certain sort of elements of of um i'd say broader like the more kind of like kraut rock sound as well was was kraut rock a kind of a, a formative influence um for you i mean Definitely, but I think secondhand and watered down a bit. I think in the early days, you know, I was probably when I wrote Spitfire, you know, I was aware that it was it was a krautrock song, and I, I kind of embraced the irony of that um, writing, a, you know, about such a celebrated British music, you know, machine, but with mm. with the kind of German underpinning of it. I thought it was a, a neat way of kind of un undermining any any jingoism that might be associated with it. So. um yeah, I I think, but I think I'd got that kind of idea of what Kraut was very much secondhand from from the bands who I listened to, who were you know who who'd listened to Krautrock the first time around. So, you know, I, I I remember Shoot Speed Kill Light by Primal Scream being you know a massive massive mm. song for me, and and that's very much of that ilk. And um, David Holmes' I Heard Wonders was another massive. Uh, you know the whole the whole record the holy pictures i think was really important for me but but that song in particular and and those those sounds come from people who've absorbed you know noy and can and craftwork and all these mm. people and kind of you know filtered them through them so so then to go back to the original source and and especially noy and harmonia and, and cluster i think for me are the the real you know the ones that really chimed with me um especially Noi. There's just something magic about those records. Yeah, and I, I mean, I remember as well that when, um, you know, sort of just in the sort of late 90s and early 2000s, you know, the, before YouTube or anything, you know, the the Noi albums were all out of, out of uh, they weren't in circulation. And so, you know, I, I heard about, um, you know, I, again, like I, I kind of probably discovered those kind of beats through, through Primal Scream and bands like that as well. And, and the idea of, so I knew about Noi, but actually getting to hear them was like fucking impossible, really, unless, <laughs> unless you had like Bobby Gillespie's record collection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, in, in a kind of, well, I don't know if it's an ironic twist, but in, in a coincidence, um, it's uh, it's Herbert Gronemeyer's label that's uh, Groenland, which is responsible for putting out all these reissues of, of a lot of this famous sort of krautrock uh, seminal mm -hmm. stuff. And and I ended up renting a studio from him and Alex Silver, who's his producer, at Hansa to write this one. So it's kind of it felt like it was you know not not a direct link, but you know there's there's these, all these little echoes um, when you when you kind of put yourself in these situations that you are kind of you know you're you're slightly moving in similarish circles one way or another yeah is there something sort of like vicarious that you sort of try to inhale from from that 
Yeah, definitely from being at Hansa, you know, working at Hansa every day and, and trying to write this record there. Well, writing this record there, I didn't just try it. I did manage to write something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quali- quality is questionable, but I did, you know, I came out of there with, with an actual <laughs> record. Um, so yeah, you know, you can't help it. You know, you're walking through, you're walking past the picture of Bowie on the way in every, every day, you know, you're seeing the pictures of, of Depeche Mode, you're seeing the, the staircase where they've had some famous photos taken, you know, that the hall itself is, is kind of run by a corporate events company these days. So they, you know, they'd be loading in for a pet food, um, kind of, you know, uh, <laughs> awards ceremony or something. And I'd, I'd kind of try and you know, sneak in whenever it was, whenever the door was left open, um, sneak in and just try and absorb a bit of the atmosphere of the room, um, and normally get normally get told to leave. But you know, all yeah. the, the just the the air and the atmosphere. The whole point of going there was to try and soak some of that in and, and hope that it found its way onto the record one way or another. And 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 the other thing, of of course, I have to mention is that on the corridor leading to my room, there's a, a photo of a very sweaty, leather clad David Hasselhoff. So obviously, I had to pay my respects there every day. You know. Who, who wouldn't? So. Oh, of course. And, and where, where the studio is located as well, it's not that far from the part of, you know, from the wall where he, where, where he stood up and sung, sung his yeah. Freedom song as well. Where, where he single-handedly brought about the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think we should give him his, his dues. He was solely responsible for that. <laughs> in, yeah. in his and head I, anyway, yeah. Totally. And I was actually quite surprised by the way he did it, because I imagined from growing up wearing, watching Knight Rider that the car would probably crash through the wall. It wouldn't involve <laughs> him standing on top of the wall. No. <laughs> no, that would have been a bit more theatrical, wouldn't it? Maybe he should have done that. Yeah. yeah. And, and like one of the things I love about the album is that, like you sort of mentioned before, is you, you sort of seem to sort of take with the album is to take more of an impressionistic approach rather than a, a literal one. And, you know, rather than trying to kind of recreate the sound of the, the, the records and, and the artists that inspired you there, there's, there's more of a sort of a, a, a kind of a holistic, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, but more of a kind of an atmospheric way of absorbing Berlin into, into the work. Would, would you say that that was a fair assumption and, and, uh, on how you you kind of absorbed Berlin, yeah, I think so because I, th- I think it would be impossible to 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 you know try and recreate the the whole city in in one you know forty five odd minute record. That would be you know just just as when we was trying to sort of, when we were trying to distill the essence of the of the space race, you know, it would it would be impossible to really um, convey everything about that. So you kind of focus on on fractured episodes of it, real you know milestone moments, and mm. um, but with with Berlin and with something as as large and kind of indefinable and it's something that's so different for everybody who who loves the city you know everybody loves a different version of it in their heads I think so with that it was much more about yeah about finding sort of broader you know bigger sort of sweeps um, a more abstract approach to it to try and kind of I, 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 it's the one line I wrote in German, which makes more sense in German than it than in English. But it's ich ich kann nicht eine Geschichte über Berlin schreiben. Ich ich muss meine Geschichte über Berlin schreiben, which is you know I I can't write a history of Berlin. I must write my story of Berlin, um, which which just it just yeah it would be impossible to to do the former. And so the only thing you're really left with is a, as a conceivable and feasible option is is the latter. So that that's the road I went down. Yeah, yeah, and, and how how is your German? It's not too bad. I did GCSE, mm. so I had to, I had like a you know a very sketchy and long forgotten foundation, which did slightly reactivate itself. And I, I did quite a lot of lessons, um, like one on one chats before I went over there. So I could you know I could speak in German and not get spoken back to in English, which is good. And I could do you know <laughs> the the admin stuff that that nobody speaks English for that you have to speak German for. Um, then yeah i could do all that uh which which was good you know not very well but i could get through it and i could buy you know i could go to this old radio shop in kreuzberg and and buy an old tape machine and he didn't speak a word of english but i could get through that that conversation and then take it back when it when it broke when it exploded on me i could take it back and say can you fix this please mate um yeah i could you know i could it's a long way of saying i could get by and i've promptly forgotten nearly everything again so there you go <laughs> I, th- I think it is like um i mean that's that's really good actually because I, I i know people here myself sadly unfortunately have been here for years that 
the sort of still struggle a bit, you know, and and I think it's also one of these cities where there's so much of an internationalized vibe, you know, particularly in kind of like things like restaurants and in terms of nightlife yeah. that the English language is is sort of you know used so so much in terms of signs and and surface conversation anyway. Yeah, I think I think all the kind of I guess the stuff that is is there that that regularly caters kind of to tourists um you can you can purely do in english like you you could easily go to berlin for you know for several weeks and uh, as a visitor and not have to speak any german but i think when you are there for longer and if you're intending to you know to do like the the german bureaucracy and do the registration and, and you know we you know we had to do the was it the Hunders Toya? You know, where you have to register your dog and get a badge and all all that stuff. You, then you then yeah. you do you do need a bit of uh, a bit of German to get by and just to get your head around this sort of labyrinthine nightmare German bureaucracy. Um, they love they love a form and a registration, don't they? They do, they do indeed. I, I had like a um, I managed to get my uh, resident uh, status um, for the next few years sorted out but the the actual process for it was absolutely terrifying um yeah, I bet. you know it, okay. it in retrospect it wasn't it's not terrifying at all now because i realized it was just a question of putting the you know putting the right boxes ticked really but um mm. but navigating that beforehand was 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 you know quite a quite a mount everest yeah i can imagine i, I spoke to a few people who are kind of going through various stages of that um yeah, and it, it's it's always a bit intimidating, isn't it? But there's some there's something about German in a formal setting that's particularly <laughs> particularly kind of just makes you pay attention. <laughs> um, absolutely, definitely, definitely, and and like you know, sort of in terms of you know that I guess and the sounds on the street and and where, whereabouts were you staying when you were here? Where which part of town were you living in? Uh, we're very lucky to get uh, one of my friend, one of my wife's friends lives in in Berlin, and he was he was leaving his his flat uh, in Kreuzberg. Well, just on the Kreu- on the edge of Kreuzberg and Neukölln, so it was in it was on Grafenstraße, which is a lovely, I mean, beautiful yeah. street. Really lucky to get um to get a flat there. I, d- I don't think we realised at first how lucky we were, but we we soon did. <laughs> um, so yeah, we we were there, and you know, it was like a forty five minute walk to to what became the office every day it was a it was a really nice existence while we were there it was it was uh it was kind of like yeah it felt a bit like a dream really in some respects but um yeah sadly sadly no more um yeah uh, as as the yeah, final that... words of the record are yeah over over gone never again that's that's how it goes <laughs> uh, when you, when you, i mean for, for for your time there you had a, that is a beautiful beautiful keats actually it's not that far from me and um and it is just i think particularly during oh, lockdown because you were here oh that's okay, yeah. just gone uh, let me just unplug that uh just give me a sec no worries Move my headphones. Uh, right. Oh, okay. Sorry, I'm back. Um, you're saying it's, uh, right. it's a lovely. No, it's, it's near near your neck of the woods. You're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's not that far from my neck of the woods, and I think particularly during lockdown, because you were here for part of lockdown as well. I, I believe was um, the, the canal in, was. Yeah, in between so. we we when we came back, it was sort of Septemberish. So, because um, we you know we 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 weren't allowed in the country until what was it early mid-june so um you know as soon as they reopened the borders for for non-germans or non-german citizens um that's when we looked at getting dates booked in and we and we came out in late august early september so it it felt relatively normal in germany then actually much more normal than it than it did at, at home in london mm. yeah yeah it's it's i mean i haven't actually been back to the uk for two years so i'm i'm sort of almost like terrified of just uh <laughs> I don't know why. I think I've just become sort of so Berlinicized that um, you know there's certain certain you know I guess you, you kind of fall into the kind of romantic pattern of just being in a place for so long and being able to live a certain way that the idea of change can become quite a terrifying thing. Yeah, um, yeah, and that that actually applies to moving there in the first place. You know, there were several times when I was thinking, when I was genuinely like, what what am I doing? What why have I done this? You know, I don't, you know, I, I had, I had some friends there, but not, not enough to, you know, not feel lonely at times. And that's, that's probably the first time as an adult that I'd had that sensation and that, that feeling of just being a little bit adrift and not really belonging. And I'm sure that, you know, that feeling probably subsides with time and the longer you're there, the more, you know, networks you kind of become part of. And, 
um, the, the more of a support network you have locally. But I did feel a little bit um, at sea at times. It was it was good to have the the, the record to focus on uh, in that respect. But yeah. yeah, it was it was quite it was just it you know. Berlin can be a little bit of an intimidating place, I think, as well as as well as a real haven for you know for creativity and creative people. It it, it can be a little bit um, the the kind of the impetus and the the onus to have have a good time. <laughs> it's, uh, it feels a bit kind of omnipresent because everybody else seems to be having a good time all the time. Um, and if you're struggling yeah. with something, it it can get a bit on top of you. It did with me anyway. So it's not it's not a good place to go with uh, FOMO really or. Um it's it's also i mean but then also isn't there like a sort of element of, of the sort of particularly like the albums that you know you, you kind of mentioned like low as well as stuff that does in a way kind of deal with this kind of loneliness of being in a in a sort of a city i know i know for me that 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 was part of the initial pull was almost to sort of go into that loneliness i don't know why but it it is a sort of city that does have that kind of lonely vibe about it as well yeah, maybe. I mean, they definitely have a kind of quite austere atmosphere, all, all those records um, that, that I've mentioned. I mean, obviously, they're recording in a very different time and, and Berlin's, a, you know, mm. it's, it's a constantly changing place anyway, but it's certainly changed a lot since since the 70s. I mean, you know, stating the very, very obvious. But, um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but it's, it's definitely a kind of part of the atmosphere, isn't it? Um, and I think part of, you know, putting yourself in, in a situation like that where you know it might test you, personally and creatively that but that's part of the the point of trying to write something interesting you know it would be far easier to just stay in the same groove and just keep doing the same sort of things but but if you really want to test how far you can go with an idea or with you know meager modest talent <laughs> then um then you need to put yourself in situations that that test you and push you in different directions and that was that was another of the reasons for for going there when you were working on the album is there is there like a kind of a point where the ideas, I mean, this is, this goes for all of your albums, really. Like, is there a point where you, you have these ideas, you have this kind of feeling, perhaps, um, but for a while it doesn't form together? Is there a point where things kind of, you feel like something takes over and you know where, you know where things are going to be going? Or is it always just like a kind of, uh, you know, a bit more up in the air until it's done? Um, it's, it's always kind of a bit of back and forth, you know, there'll be times when I'm working on it and I'll feel pretty good about it. And there'll be other times where I, I just feel like, you know, I'm not very kind to myself when I'm writing and I, I'll be, you know, just really beating myself up about it and, and, you know, not having a very nice time and thinking that I was the least, you know, useful well just just useless basically um so it, yeah. you know it, that, that kind of happened there were there were a few songs where i really was banging my head up against a wall and just felt like i was going a little bit mad to be honest with you um but then there's moments like you know when i kind of did the demo for people let's dance I, I wrote the record in sequence which is kind of how i've i've done the last three now um mm. so when i when i got to people let's dance and knowing that that was you know earmarked in my head for for a single um when i got to the end of the demo for that and thought yeah that's um that's i'm confident with that um so that that took a lot of the pressure off because as soon as you kind of got over the one of the big hurdles of of writing something like that that's doing quite a lot of the heavy lifting of bringing people to the record then it does feel like the pressure comes off a bit um and and the you know much as it was a bit of a torturous process the second half of the record as a whole just came very quickly i think um the first half was probably a good six months and then the the next five pieces just came out within the space of a month and a half or so so it did kind of accelerate towards the end uh, which was which was nice because it would be a bit yeah <laughs> i couldn't, couldn't really take that process for for much longer it was a bit grueling at times yeah <clears throat> pardon me sorry um, I, lo- I love the fact that you, you worked on it in, in order as well. I mean, almost like it could sort of almost be like a kind of a, a book or a film in, in that yeah. respect. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's, you know, especially, I mean, this isn't one of the more conventional narrative records that we've done, but it is still telling a story across it. So it, it makes mm-hmm. sense to me to write it in sequence, you know, as if it were a book um, or a film. Um, that's That's what I've done with the last two records and what I did with the War Room EP as well. And it just it just seems to work because then you get the added benefit of being able to develop musical themes across it and tie stuff together as you go. You know, there's like a recurring motif across the whole record, which is established in the first track, but it pops up again several times. And writing in sequence allows that sort of thing to happen a bit a bit more naturally, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's like there are a couple of um, there are a couple of references that you know I've I've kind of read that you used quite a lot, or like not used but kind of inspirational to you is one one is Rory McLean's book Berlin and Imagine a City. How 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 did, how did this kind of play into? I mean, when I ask questions like how I'm I'm kind of aware that part of the magic is in just listening to the music, like you were saying about solving the riddle of why you moved to Berlin but what was I guess so what I probably should rather ask instead is how did more Roy McLean's book come into your periphery well you know I think it was as simple as just being in a in a very large bookshop and uh, and browsing the, <laughs> the Berlin section and just you know this is in the very early days of just casting about for ideas and, and thinking of general approaches it was a really you know it's just it was almost like the record at that point was just this kind of ill-defined cloud sort of like hovering over mm. me and you know I had no real way to you know begin to sort of focus it and and yeah Rory McLean's book just it's it struck me as being you know it, well it it got me to buy it in the first place and then when I started reading it and just really admiring the approach that he took you know he's he similarly hasn't written a big sort of um you know scholarly or academic history of of the history of the whole city he's he's written very much um you know he he took 25 different characters and told their stories and and some of those stories are partly imagined some of them are you know episodes of history where first-hand accounts don't really exist and I really just admired the sort of the courage of of doing something like that with with a historical, you know, ultimately was a historical book, but actually being brave enough to incorporate some of those fictional elements. And also just the the focus and the structure that that gave, um, that gave his book. And I, I tried to incorporate some of those elements into, into the record, you know, especially with the, the segment that focuses more on people than, than the place itself, mm. like Bowie and Dietrich and Berber and, um, yeah. And, and, and the club scene as well with people let's dance that, title comes from his book um he very kindly gave us permission to use that so it it was it was a big um a big kind of step along the way to to getting to to the album as it as it ended up being definitely yeah and and like um and like the kind of you sort of mentioned about the different kind of people and, and the stories as well like you, you managed to assemble like a really fucking amazing cast of 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 characters to sing on the songs as well. Like for I mean, for one, Blixer Bargeld, you know, that's a guy that's lived, isn't it? Yeah, and for that reason, I was a bit kind of hesitant about approaching him. I was like, well, he doesn't need to do this. He he did it all first time around, you know. Yeah, I, 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 it was suggested that we get in touch with him actually by a, by a label, and that's the first time that that's happened. But I think you know, I would have suggested it myself if I'd thought it was a remote possibility. But I just. Just thought mm. there's, there's no way that's going to happen, so I was a bit terrified of even asking. But it turns out that you know he was he was up for it and he was engaged with it and interested in it and and delivered you know a really kind of yeah it, it, it sort of it was exactly what I was hoping for from the track from getting him involved. It's 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 adding a bit of that kind of personality and that that kind of. Um, you know, when you when you're collaborating with people, there's no point just saying, "Can you do this?" You know, mm. this is exactly what I want you to do. It's, you, you need you're asking them to come on the record because you want their voice and you want their creativity and you want their talent and and you want them to change the direction the record goes in. You know, without mm. losing the focus of the thing that you're creating in the first place. You know, you do need to keep an overall structure and a framework. But when when somebody like Blixer comes on and writes this kind of you know this this monologue about the die Stadt ist die Maschine, the city is the machine, and you know the city kind of coming alive almost and he personifies the, the you know the voice of that city um yeah it's just it was great to, to be to to have that be part of the record i think it really adds to the 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 voice of the whole thing and, and the authenticity of the whole thing and and similarly with you know being able to use the fragment of melody from people are people by depeche mode you know they very generously mm. gave us permission to to use that in people let's dance and it, you just get all these echoes and um parallels and you know um it just really adds to the depth and, and texture of the whole thing. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a real privilege to, to be able to, you know, work with people of, the, of that stature for it. Yeah. And, and like Nina Hoss as well. I mean, and I, I thought that was yeah. a really interesting choice as well, because, you know, like I'm a bit of a film geek and uh, recently Mubi have been showing like all of these Christian Petzold films and uh, she's like his, his sort of, you know, I, I don't know, have you seen his films? Are you, I don't know if I'm being... I haven't actually, no, no. Track. Right, fucking amazing. But like, I think he, he, she's one of his kind of go-to actresses, actors. And um, so that's how I knew of her. I don't know it from anywhere else. And so when I was listening, uh, when I first started listening to the album, I was like, 
oh my God, it's her. Because I'd literally been watching a film that she'd been in the other day, which is, mm. you know, examining post, post-war Berlin, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and so there's just this, it just felt, to me, it felt like, I guess, you know, I'm not from Germany, so I don't know if, even know if I've got the kind of legitimacy to say this, but living here, it felt like the people you've chosen are legitimate people. It, felt, it feels authentic to me, you know, the, the people you've chosen. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, being able to to have somebody of her stature and presence and and reputation again on the record. I mean, come come on, it's just it's uh, it's ridiculous. And 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 she did such a lovely job of reading. You know, it's it's an unlikely way to end a record by a kind of you know novelty alternative pop band um, mm. who've made a, who've made a name by you know sampling bits of you know bits of history, I suppose. And, and this record finishes with a you know, a noted German actress reading reading a, a beautiful German poem over some quite melancholy music. It, it, I, I like I like the whole idea of it, and I loved her delivery of it. She's she's just she's got such presence and such character to her voice. It was it was a real privilege again to to work with her on it, and and all these people, you know, they really they just enrich the the fabric of the record in in so many ways, and she certainly does. I'm really grateful to her for for saying yes to it. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, generally with, with all with all of all of the band staff, um, there is this kind of feeling of like you know, it's, it's sort of you hide behind pseudonyms, behind instruments, behind samples, and you know, most most forthrightly themes, um, you know, and and it's almost like you as 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 you know in the band and the people in the band kind of hide. I don't know about hiding is the right word, but. You're not like Kurt Cobain in terms of like sort of, you know, sort of being a band where there's a very vocal front person and stuff. Was this always like the idea to sort of have more of an idea as as the kind of lead singer in a way? Yeah, I find it imaginatively freeing working this way. I find it, you know, you're, you're freed from the more kind of mundane things that you might, you know, if, well, that I might write about otherwise, you know, I, I get to take on these massive themes that, that, you know stretch you musically but also stretch you in terms of the the content that you're putting out there and and i think that's that helps to make the music pretty ego free um i think across the board and you know some people probably you know prefer a bit more of a of of a you know that kind of presence on a record that kind of focus and, and magnetism but others i think might be drawn to it and might appreciate it for the kind of space that it leaves for the audience to kind of bring their own feelings mm. to it and bring their own experiences to it um you know i i kind of feel like with mostly instrumental music or or even with the kind of you know imaginatively sort of conceptually built records that we've made i do think there's a bit more room um for that kind of that kind of listener and that there there maybe aren't that many other avenues for them in similar kind of musical forms i suppose uh, or similar kind of bands of of our you know persuasion so it yeah it 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 i find it imaginatively freeing and i also think it it kind of gives the audience a a unique kind of you know way to form a relationship with the music and and that's probably one of the reasons we seem to have formed a really strong bond with our fan base you know it's just they just seem to really when they go for it they really go for it yeah yeah and is it well, i mean like sort of going back to kind of like really 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 early on how, how did music kind of enter your life um I mean, like like most people, I think just sat in the back seat of a car with the stereo on, you know, listening to listening to what your parents yeah. were were listening to. So you know, that was early, mid, late eighties, and um, yeah, all, all sorts of stuff that you you know, pretty mainstream stuff from the eighties that you'd expect, and just just being so excited by music, you know, I just remember just remember it it was the most exciting thing in the world basically and it, I, th- I still think it is you know just kind of formative experiences like being in the car with my dad and 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 it was just us two and he just he just let me turn it up as loud as i wanted it and it was you know having it that loud was like wow this is the best yeah. thing ever like, um yeah and we were listening to foreigner i mean it wasn't like we were listening to kind well, of you know yeah yeah, anything. I, I had um, a very similar experience with uh, my dad and uh, Bruce Springsteen and Dire Straits. Lots of Dire Straits. Yeah, yeah, we we had Brothers in Arms. I mean, I wish we'd had the first record because I've discovered that retrospectively, and it's you know absolutely adore that first Dire Straits record. But mm. yeah, you know, I was listening. You know, we had Susudio in the car quite regularly and stuff like that, <laughs> yeah. and 
and I was a massive and still am a massive Nick Kershaw fan purely because of hearing his stuff in the car and the riddle I just I can't get enough of that the song. riddle is, a, is yeah. an incredible song isn't it yeah, it's a, it's, yeah. and there's, there's something so sort of about I don't know I mean I guess it's maybe it's the same for whatever era you you have that experience in but like there's a, I, I get a very strange feeling whenever I you know maybe I pass a shop and I I hear something like the riddle or something like I, I don't know it could be Deacon Blue or something like that you know mm. something that was that hit when I was about thirteen or fourteen or twelve or something that it kind of almost sends me back I almost feel like I'm waking up and going to school again for a second that's that's so interesting isn't it though because music music is uh, you know the, it's so when it when it does bed into you 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 know your your being you're you know the very sort it really goes deep and and it it kind of brings so much back with it when you hear these songs and i think going back to this record you know sort of ham-fistedly um steering it back to <laughs> to bright bright magic you know it it's it's these kind of bits of music that have embedded this idea of berlin in my head before i'd even got there you know how does mm. how does that happen why does why does that happen why have these people managed to make that happen i think it's a really fascinating aspect of music that's you know that these these ideas and these these kind of great romantic memories kind of come to come to mind so easily from certain periods of your of your life it's really yeah and it, it, as a band that's one of the most powerful things you can you can tap into and once people start forming those memories with your music you realize mm. you're kind of invincible in some ways like nothing can touch the fact that somebody's had your music at their wedding or something like nothing nothing can ever yeah. touch that nothing can touch the fact that you know some somebody played your music at their you know their dad's funeral or something like you are in their life for good like there's no way unless you do something truly unspeakably awful there's no way to get out of that um it's really just shows that the power of of music and the, and the really important side of it is people forming a relationship with it not necessarily you know anything to do with you ultimately it feels like this music is just off doing its own thing and, and you have nothing to do with it anymore it's it's a really humbling part of the whole process i, I such a so beautifully put and, and i and i, I kind of get that from also from what we were sort of talking about a little bit earlier on about like the way you know you you and the band position yourself within the music and and kind of put the project the music and the idea up front as well if it does feel like you do approach it music from quite an egoless kind of perspective like that well i hope so i mean you know there's nothing more tedious than than well than a tedious ego really is there it can really get (laughs) you know can get in the way of some pretty good music even um Mm. so yeah and and even the way the live show is structured you know it's not about you know kind of look at me look at us look at this look at that it's it's always you know there's always been other focuses to it um whether that's the other voices that we're using or, or the fact that we're using so much you know live sort of visual content um yeah it's it's not we're we're not kind of we're not up there to satisfy some kind of well maybe we are but we're not <laughs> we're not kind of so transparently up there to satisfy some kind of you know, um, yearning for attention or, or need of, you know, the gaze of the audience. We're quite comfortable with the fact that they spend most of the, the most of the gig gazing at something that isn't us, to be honest with you. You know, like, I kind of read that your mission statement is to teach the lessons of the oh, past God. through the music of the future. I, I, oh. I'm guessing from the way you say that, that get that was like a bit of a cringe of... Time yeah, well, I, I wrote that line to go to the Edinburgh Fringe in, in 2010 and I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's a sort of snappy line, that, you gone. know. Yeah, well, no, I just thought, you know, it was it's so tongue in cheek, and it's it's like who who genuinely describes their music as the music of the future? You know, I'd hate anybody to read that and think we were being serious. We're we're really not. But it was it was a good line, and um, I think the fact that you know the proof that it was a good line is it's it's still bloody following us around now. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and I I guess that you know I've I've kind of used it very very much out of context as well from. from the sort of, I guess, the sort of, uh, the, the kind of archness, perhaps, that you'd originally sort of intended. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing started off as, as a bit more tongue-in-cheek, and I think it was only once mm. once I started realising, you know, the emotional depth and the whole, yeah, that that if you can use the, the material in a more narrative manner and if you can tell a more interesting story with it you can do something far more interesting than you know sprinkling audio clips over over music which is which is just how it started you know it was just Mm. it was just a kind of a 
a character or a sonic kind of beginning to it. it wasn't about telling stories with these with these samples and it certainly wasn't anywhere near as ambitious as trying to kind of you know conceptually or abstractedly recreate the sound of a whole city you know in the form of a record yeah, it was yeah. it was more like oh let's do a song about corduroy or let's do a song about you know driving safety information films and those are really good fun pieces still i think but um but i think you, you know what you've seen with the the evolution of the band and as time's gone by is is the whole concept of public service broadcasting as a band kind of being consistently interrogated and, and consistently expanding and evolving as, as a result of that yeah yeah no definitely do you, do you feel because i feel like in the new album as well it's like it, it, it is just there's it's more of just like a presence of berlin than than uh and a thing that's that's overly up front um but but like we're going back to that quote anyway, and I'll, I'll kind of rephrase it a bit. But like in terms of sort of the stuff that maybe you found and you found within yourself and you found from your experiences of of living in Berlin and making a, an album that that encompasses so much of Berlin or or your impression of Berlin um, and coming back to live in the UK. Um, and if there are any sort of lessons from Berlin, what do you think the UK could do in terms of improving itself from anything that you picked up in Berlin? Ah, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, a, a lot. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I don't have some kind of idealised version of... of of Germany or, or Berlin in particular either. You know, I know that politically there are a lot of problems with the far right there. They're, you know, that they they certainly have their own issues going on. It's not a kind of perfect society in any way, but I think they are, you know, Berlin is, is a much more progressive city than London. I think, you you know, it doesn't take you long to, to work that out. Um, I think, I think that's especially apparent on, on the environmental front. You know, I think that's, it's a, it's a subject that's really, um, you know, you might not expect it from somebody who grew up and lives in London, but you know, the the environment is, has always been extremely important to me, and and you know, mm. taking solace in what bits of nature there are in London, and and going to Berlin and just seeing what they've done with spaces like the Tempelhof, and you know, um, it's just it's unfathomable that that would exist in London. Mm. It's just it's it's not even a possibility. You know, you're talking sort of some weird utopian vision. It's it, the fact that there could be this massive tract of land, prime land, you know, in central in central Berlin and, and the, the residents have voted to keep it as it is. Um, and it forms such a important, you know, forms an important sort of heat sink for the whole city, you know, as it's getting hotter and hotter as, as the, the yeah. climate warms up, but it also for, for, you know, for the natural world, you know, to have skylarks just happily safely nesting in the middle of a city these days is that doesn't happen here. And I, th I think it was on the, on the environmental note, that was really that was really the biggest the biggest thing i enjoyed about being mm. there for a, for a start and also just the biggest thing i wish i wish we could do a bit more to be like i mean there's all sorts of social things as well i think the, the social safety net for people there in, is is far more lenient and i think it does a far better job of accommodating you know more unconventional lifestyles and and uh and creative people in general i think of of find mm. a you know much more support over there i mean it's getting harder and harder for them as Berlin becomes more and more successful and as property prices and rent prices, you know, spiral upwards. But, but it's still, you know, miles ahead of London in terms of that. Like London, London is just, you know, the, the money won here a long time ago. And if it didn't, if it didn't win a long time ago, it, you know, with, with Johnson's term as mayor, when he successfully redefined affordable housing as 450,000. Um, yeah, it died. It totally died there. I mean, yeah. That's just yeah, yeah. Okay, four hundred fifty thousand is affordable. Is it great? Um, yeah. No, it's 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 insane, isn't it? It's and like it is kind of weird what you're saying as well, isn't it? Because it's like you know Tempelhof as well. Like, there's that part of Tempelhof that is, is um, you know people just go and go and plant. You know, it's it's just this big allotment really. Yeah. It's just yep. you know you want to bring a spade, you want to bring some plants, you can go and do some stuff. And the, the idea that that could happen in London without it becoming this kind of uh, corporate beer sponsored pop up is is absurd. Yeah, um, and depressing. <laughs> but but it's great yeah. that that does exist somewhere, and you know, in, in such a mainstream and visible visible way in Berlin. And and I think you know, there's obviously a real fight going on at the moment for mm. um, 
you know the future of it as as a kind of place that can support that because you know if it's becoming less affordable um for people from all walks of life to kind of you know exist and subsist there then then you are in danger of, of losing some of that but for the moment it's still it's still you know light years away from from the situation we find ourselves in in london definitely yeah and i I don't want to be too down on london about that either because i still feel that london has like an energy that it's its own thing that you don't find anywhere else in the world but yeah um, don't get me wrong i i love i love yeah yeah, i love it here yeah um yeah um jay thank you so so much for chatting oh thanks thanks for thanks for asking thanks for putting up with me waffling on so that was Jay Wilgoose, Esquire, from Public Service Broadcasting, speaking with me, Paul Hanford, for Lost and Sound. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you so much for having that chat and uh, being so open and so self-deprecating as well. Um, and, for, and, and for being so revealing in the process of, of like, you know, the fact that I think sometimes when artists finish, finish some work, it's, it's all very much like you know they've climbed mount everest and it's like way whereas i I feel with that interview it was was really sort of refreshingly candid about the fact that it was quite difficult in places and and things like moving here and feeling lonely as well and kind of made me think about you know the bowie album low and whether that was actually the first fomo record ever made and thank you so much thank you so much uh thank you to jody for helping organize that interview thank you to eso for doing the music yes the music that you hear in the beginning at the end of every episode thank you so much to eso i always put a little link into his instagram as well um has other releases all awesome thanks to kieran yates in the uk for mastering the levels and thanks to bear radio for hosting this and you can check out other English language podcasts from Berlin by going on bearradio.org. Most importantly, thanks to you for listening. I hope you're feeling really tingly and special and lovely and fluffy today. I hope an unexpectedly lovely thing happens to you, like, like a check, like a check, a check just arrives in the post for you i know that doesn't really happen now it's all it's all done online isn't it it's all done on electrical banking but i hope that happens anyway really old school take care speak to you soon bye